praise the Lord. She said, it's all mine. At this time, I have a young woman that has come with me, and she is going to minister, and her ministry is in dance. Uh, Lisa McLean, come on up. I think they've got her song ready. Lisa and I met several years ago. We were holding the cross. It was around Easter time, and uh, whichever place works for you, sis. You want up on the stage, or you want down here? Okay. And we just connected, and we've just loved each other ever since then. And her mama's sitting back here, and I tell her mom all the time, I'd take her to be my daughter. <laughs> and uh, I just love her, and I'm going to tell you something. She's, she's an anointed woman of God. She knows what it's like to be in the fire and come out like gold. And uh, just worship with her. Hey, she's getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning leaving on vacation. <laughs> Worship with her, even though we ain't going on vacation. We're going to worship with her anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wrong song.
Hallelujah. Wasn't that beautiful? That is her ministry unto the Lord called called for that, and uh, this shines for Jesus through that. I want to thank Sister Virginia for this opportunity. Uh, this is just one of the best houses to be in, to minister in. I say this every year. If you don't feel loved when you walk in this place, there's something wrong with you. And I always say I pay honor to Pastor Kevin, which Pastor Zach now, and then Sister Lucia, because they they must show love, and it's still that in their people, and their people just show love, and you feel welcomed in this house. And I'm very, I'm, I'm very thankful to, for that, and I appreciate you guys very much. Sister Virginia, I received that word that you had for me, and I think when you hear part of the message, you will see why the Lord had that word for me. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, in my mind, when I read that passage or when I hear it, I immediately envision, anybody seen the Chosen series? So in my mind, I get this vision of Jesus just standing there nonchalantly with his disciples. He's like, you're going to have some trouble. There's going to be some tribulation, but don't sweat it. No big deal. I've overcome the world. He never sweat anything. It was nothing to him. He knew that he had already overcome everything. And then we can look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Are you kidding me? Rejoice. The fiery trials are coming. Whew, what was he thinking? And then we can look at James chapter 1. And James says, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, Greeting, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation or different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, and it breaketh not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith without wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. And then if you'd skip down to that verse 12, there it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you that your presence has already just permeated this entire house. I thank you for the sweet spirit here. God, I thank you for every song that was sung. I thank you, Father, for the, the dance that was, you are holy. You are holy, God. You're the holy and righteous God, and we want to honor you in this place tonight. Father, I pray for the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. I pray for the anointing over this congregation that they would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. God, that anything that would try to hinder and bind people up, that it would be loosed in the name of Jesus. And God, that there is freedom and liberty in this house tonight. 
and that all things are said and done to honor and glorify you in Jesus' holy name. You know, through these passages of Scripture, we've been told, expect tribulations. You're going to have fiery trials, and, and not, not just trials, but fiery trials. And yet, if you're like me, they sometimes catch us off guard, don't they? Sometimes the trials come, and it throws me a curveball. Now, there's two specific areas in my life that I am, uh, the Holy Spirit has me working heavily on. Number one is trusting God. Pastor Zach kind of said, like, it's easy to trust when everything's going good. But I want to trust God more completely. And then, like our conference theme, count it all joy. See, I don't know. I got a feeling most of you are like me. When everything's going my way, whoo, I can be the best Christian. I love Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And when, when I've got the promotion, when I've got the accolades, that, oh, Sister Shirley, you're doing so good. Whoo, I'm on cloud nine. But what about when the script has been flipped and I'm not getting the accolades? Uh, I recently preached, and it was probably one of the most discouraging times I've ever preached. Half the people were asleep. That's not an exaggeration. Half of them was fiddling around. I mean, you could just see, you could just sit. I was just basically shut down. I left that place feeling defeated, like, oh, my goodness, I really do, I have no business preaching if it's like this. And so I wasn't really counting it all joy, Sister Virginia. In fact, I went home and had me a little pity party. My, my friend, he said, hey, why don't you come and, come and eat with us? And I was like, no, I got to go home. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to nobody about this. So it's easy to trust when things are going good, but it's when the days are dark that it gets a lot harder, doesn't it? It's in the days when you don't see the Lord and you don't feel the Lord, and it's hard to count it all joy. It's hard to really trust in Him. It's hard to trust, Sister Diana, when, when we don't get the answers that we wanted or the way that we expected them to be. It's harder to have joy in those type of situations. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse 17, says, for our light affliction, I forgot to give them this one, I'm sorry, which is but for a moment. How many of you know if you're in an affliction, for one, it doesn't feel light, and for two, it doesn't feel like a moment? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it feels like this thing is never going to end. It feels like I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. But it says it's, work, it, it's just for a moment. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, they are temporal. This world is not our home we're passing through. It's temporary, isn't it? But we get hung up in it, and we get so caught in it, it's, we forget about we're just uh, pilgrims passing through here. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And sometimes we're so focused on this world, the things in this world, we forget that really heaven's the destination that we're all working for. So sometimes it's hard for us to focus on the eternal prize, though, when we are suffering in the here and now. Most of us struggle with trying to look past the pain of right now, don't we? I don't have it mastered. Sister Bonnie, I see her sitting back there. Last year, there was a lady here. I have to tell this on myself. I thought it was you. I don't know how many times I called her, Sister Bonnie, Sister Bonnie. 
And she never did say anything. About the very end of the service, she's like, yeah, I'm not Sister Bonnie. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, but Sister Bonnie, I got her right tonight. She's here. She's here in the flesh and blood. She's here. You know, uh, we, we have, everybody goes through trials and suffering, don't they? If I would go around the room, everybody could give me a story about how they've been mistreated, they've been done wrong, they've been through the fire of some sort. And, and we, we do, it does catch us off guard, and yet we've got the word of God. The hardest thing for this message tonight was there's so many stories to choose from. The Bible is filled up with people that have been through the fire. We could talk about Daniel in the lion's den. Now talk about somebody that trusted in God. He went to sleep in that lion's den. Talk about the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. You know what? You don't read anywhere that they were upset. In fact, they said, King, you might you just go ahead and do it because we are not going to bow down to your God. And that's the kind of faith that you and I, the kind of trust that we're going to have to walk in in these last days. It is not what it used to be. And the enemy has ramped up his game. And guess what? We're going to have to ramp up our game as well. I, I love Sister Lucia. She's always so soft and quiet. And I thought, I'm like a bull in a china shop. Hey, you all know how I am. You asked me back, so it's on you. It's on y'all right now. Of course, we know that Jesus suffered more than anybody. We know that he died an excruciating death. We know that he was rejected, beaten, reviled, and a man without sin, never deserving of it. You and I might think of people that we thought were wicked. You know, there are people we think they deserve that. Whatever their fiery trial is, they deserve that. And we're really not the judge to be to, to say in that, but, we, but when it's righteous people or people that we love, oh God, why are they going through that? Why have you allowed this? And we begin to question God and we begin to doubt God when we're going to have to learn to stand strong. We're going to have to learn to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and our mind. we just got to stay stand fast and steady on who Jesus Christ is. I heard a message preached recently that uh, we were stirred but not shaken. I want you to know the enemy's trying to stir up some stuff. He's working at it every single day and you and I are going to have to stay on the rock Christ Jesus and not be shaken. We can't be like that, that uh, wave that's driven by the wind and tossed. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of us are doing. The storm comes, and all of a sudden, we're, I don't even know where God's at. I don't know. I don't know. And we're scared. We're going to have to know who our God is. Now, tonight, I want to hone in on a particular passage of Scripture that is found in the book of Acts, chapter 5. All of these scriptures that I've shared with you, it should have been a good indicator to me when I first got saved because these are some of the first scriptures that really stuck in my spirit. It should have been like, hey, surely there's going to be some trouble and trials along the way. But no, I think everything's going to be great. It hasn't been. But God has been faithful. So this is a scripture. I want to get to this point in my walk with Jesus. Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse 40. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And this verse 41 gets me. So they departed from the presence of the council, 
rejoicing. No, let me say it again. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the shame for his name. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. You see, you and I, when we go through trials, we don't really rejoice and we don't really, oh, I'm glad that I suffered for the name of Christ. No, instead we're more taken aback and we're put off because, oh, I've been offended. Why would that happen to me? Why would God let that happen to me? They, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for, for his name. That verse 42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Some of the trials that you and I go through, God has allowed them in order to perfect us. He has allowed them to mature us because we're going to have to be mature Christians in these last days. While there are other trials that have come our way that are straight from the pit of hell that the enemy has brought up and they are totally meant to destroy your life. They are totally meant to cause you to denounce Christ. They are totally intended to cause you to walk away from the loving God that you really know he's a loving God but because of the pain and the attack, it's our nature. We don't like pain. I don't like pain. I don't go to the gym. You know why I don't like pain? So I'm a little fluffy. What about it? <laughs> Mind your business. So some attacks are sent straight from the pits of hell to cause us to walk away from the Lord. Recently, I taught about four weeks on ten signs that you're under spiritual attack. The Lord just dropped this information in my lap and I was like, whoa, I know I've got to teach on that. The entire time, guess who was under attack? The entire, a solid month of it, maybe a little more. Now, like you, I'm, I'm good, man. When the, there's plenty of money in the bank account, there's plenty of groceries in the house, my body feels good, my mind is clear, I'm good. But when it goes the other way, guess what? I'm not so good. You know, when, when people say, oh, we love to hear you preach, I'm like, oh, it's a great day. But when they're like, that the best you got, sis? Like, hmm, you know what I'm talking about. So here's the thing. The problem doesn't lie in when everything's going our way. The problem lies in when your life feels like it's falling apart at the seams. Anybody in here ever felt like that, like your life's just falling apart at the seams? The problem lies in when the storms of life come crashing in, and they do. So let me share with you, Sister Virginia, you'll see why what you spoke to me was important to me. During this spiritual attack, I'm going to share with you things what the enemy was bombarding my mind with. He said, if you died today, nobody would care. He said, you're nothing but a failure. He said... Look how old you are. You don't even have a legacy to leave anybody. You've not left your mark on the world. And then he would flash these people in my mind, people that I love, I respect, and I admire them. 
and he would just flash them. They would be so big in my mind, and all I could see, I could see them, and I could see these wonderful, flourishing ministries that they had. Now, I wasn't jealous, and I wasn't envious of that. I'm thrilled for them. But then all I could see was that, man, I got like nothing. I don't have a big church. I don't have a big ministry. And I, I am serious for a, a solid month. This was going on. He would whisper to me, people just think you're a joke. He'd say, you're stupid. You're ignorant. You're nothing but a dumb country bumpkin. Now, let me tell you why that dumb country bumpkin thing matters. Ever since a young girl, I was going to go to St. Louis. I was going to live in St. Louis. I was going to be a big city girl. I was going to work at McDonnell Douglas. I had an uncle that worked. I thought, I'm going to St. Louis. I'm going to work at McDonnell Douglas. I've never lived more than 50 miles from my hometown of Puxico. And so, see, that was something kind of important to me. And so you're just a dumb country bumpkin. And then one of the biggest things that the enemy used against me, and I'm going to tell you why I'm sharing this with you. It's not big. I don't need a pity party. I'm not looking for pity or sympathy, but this is what I know. When I go through stuff like this, I know there's other Sister Virginia that the enemy's bombarding them with the very same. It may not sound the same that mine did to me, but he's bombarding people, telling you, you don't matter, you're just dumb, you're worthless, you're useless. How many of you know if you're over 45, the world considers you, you're basically useless, you're antiquated, uh, you might as well just go on and do whatever. I had been in minister meetings, this is the truth, and I left there so discouraged because, well, most of our ministers are 60 years old and older. They got about five good years left, and then, boy, we're really, we need these young people to come up. I'm 100% for the young people coming up. We better be raising up another generation, but I left there feeling, I mean, we might as well just quit right now. What's the, I mean, we're basically done. We might as well quit right now. So, but this was one of the biggest things that the enemy was using against me. For one, I felt like God had stayed his hand against me. You ever felt like God was just against you? And I told Rex, I said, Rex, I just feel like God stayed his hand against me. And he's like, surely you know that's ridiculous. But that's still what it felt like. And that's what the devil was whispering to me. As I talked about the age thing, Brother Rex and I have been serving Jesus since 1986. Ups and downs, good times and bad times. But the older we have gotten, and we know that the coming of the Lord is near, so we have worked, we are trying our best to work fervently to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? We, I mean, we're working harder now, I think, Sister Vinton, than we ever have. But it seemed like that no matter if I went this way, Bam, the door was slammed. This way, the door was slammed. This way, the door was slammed. This way, the door was slammed. It seemed like anything that I was trying, there was no fruit to it. I couldn't see any fruit to it. So then the next thing, I said, Rex, I've been rejected many times by man. A lot of you have too. And I said, I don't like it. Nobody likes rejection. I don't like it, but I can deal with it. 
but I said, I feel like I've been rejected by God. And I'm not a big crier, but I'm telling you, I was just about broken. And I said, but I can't take that. I cannot take being broke, rejected by God. And I began searching my life. I'm like, God, have I offended you? Is there sin in my life? What in the world is going on? When you don't have liberty in ministering and you don't see anything happen, you start questioning. You begin saying, is there something in me? Am I doing something wrong? Because we have to have the anointing. We have to feel the presence of the Lord with us. Now, I, I, like I said, I don't need this to be a woe is me kind of deal. But I knew, see, I knew when I, when I said that God, I felt like God was rejecting me or that God was uh, uh, staying his hand from me. At the same time, I knew that God was on purpose hiding from me. See, it was a test. Was I going to stay the course? When I couldn't, I couldn't see him, I couldn't feel him, was I going to stay the course? He wasn't speaking and giving me any kind of direction. Was I going to stay the course? It finally came to a point, early, early in January, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to trust in my sovereignty. And I believe he was testing me to see, was I going to trust in his sovereignty? And I can assure you this, that that solid month, I was not counting it joy. I was miserable, battling depression. I don't do well with that Jesus knowing he's right there with me. I need Jesus. And here was the thing. Even though I knew it was an attack at the same time, it would make me more aggravated because it was getting next to me. He was getting under my skin, and I knew it was the devil, but at the same time, I was still letting him get next to me. And so I, I, I finally reached a point, and I said, Rex, I'm done. My, my church people that's here with me, I hadn't even told them any of this. I said, I'm done. We're old. Everybody's saying you might as well be put out to pasture. Why, why am I killing myself? Why, why am I trying? Why am I trying to keep fighting the good fight of faith when it feels like everything is falling flat? Ladies, you ever fix your hair up real big and poofy, and then you get out in the minute it goes flat? Hey, my hair, my hair was big like Dolly Parton before I got here tonight. I had to poof. I had, I on purpose went and brushed it down just a little bit. I ain't used to that look. So the enemy is just bombarding me and bombarding me. And I, I, I reached, I said, I'm done. I'm just done. I said, Rex, you know what? We're just going to go travel. Why keep fighting the good fight? We'll just go travel. Maybe we can minister along the way. Why keep fighting the fight of faith? Isn't that what the devil wants us to do, to give up? He wants us to give up. So basically, I found myself where I was at the end of my rope. But before I did anything, I cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I need to hear something from you. I said, I don't care if you say, Shirley, you better straighten up. I don't care if you say, Shirley, quit acting like a baby. I didn't care what it was. I just needed the Lord to speak something to me. And I finally said, okay, Lord, <clears throat> and if you, I've always said, the Lord's always talked to me. I've never been a person, I don't go around looking for a word for somebody, but I was like, okay, Lord, and if you don't want to speak directly to me, I prefer that. But if you don't, I said, I need somebody to contact me. I need some words of encouragement. So Rex and I were in Walmart at Dexter. And I got this phone call, and this woman that was calling me, I always take her call, if at all possible. 
and I answered her, and she's, you could just tell she was just bubbly and, and just overflowing with joy. And I'm thinking, she said, I've got some good news. I'm thinking, great, I'd like to have a little good news myself. I was a little bit selfish on this, okay? I was having a really bad day. And she starts in, and she says, man, she said, I was, she said, Shirley, I've been going through it. She said, uh, I, I've just been anxious. Anxiety has just been trying to attack me. And she said, uh, a life was just overwhelming. And she said, I was right at the verge of going back to the same thing that I always did when life got that way for me. And she was, uh, she used to drink. And she said, I was, I was this close to start drinking again. But she said, I prayed. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I need something. And she said, I, I have a YouTube channel, and I, I've, I don't know how to do it very good yet, but I've got one video on there. It's the same video. It's on there twice, but it's the same video. And it's been the biggest pain for people to subscribe to the channel. I'm going to keep working on it, though. I'll be telling you all subscribe to that thing. And so she's told, she said, Shirley, time after time I tried to subscribe to your channel. She said, I never could get it. But she said that day, she said, yesterday I got it. And she said, and I listened to your message. She said, it was exactly where I was at. It was exactly what was going on in my life. It was about ten signs that you're under spiritual attack. And boy, I mean, she was on top. She said, oh, I didn't give in. I'm praising God. And I was like, oh, how could I not rejoice over that? And I didn't tell her. You see, she was at the end of her rope, and God heard her cry, and he met her need. I was at the end of my rope, and God heard my cry, and he gave me that one encouraging phone call. Now, here's the thing, too. It didn't really come from somebody that I was expecting it to. I got a couple people that I've got a great confidence in, and like I like them. If they've got something, I'm listening. Guess what? God didn't, He don't do things the way we want Him to. But I could not, how could I not rejoice? Because God says, Shirley, it's not over. Keep on plugging along. It's not true what the enemy's been saying. Amen. Somebody asked me, so are you going to use notes tonight? And I said, Good Lord, yes. There's no telling what it would be if I didn't, but I'm going to tell you something. That's my third thing on my list, trusting God more completely, counting it all joy when troubles and trials come. One of these days, I'm going to stand up here, and I'm going to have the bare minimum notes. haven't got courage enough yet. It's probably good for you that I don't, really. So she was telling me all that good news, and I, I was very happy for that. God met both of our needs. How many of you know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard? How many of you know that God is faithful and true? God is not a man that he should lie. If he has made you promises, they will come to pass. If he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, guess what? He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen. When we look at our main text tonight, the disciples went away rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. You know what? They wasn't like Shirley Darnell, like, Oh, God, I'm going to need a little something here. God, I'm about done. They didn't do that. Now, here's the thing with those, that, too. They were the very same disciples that earlier on were forsaking Jesus. What made the difference? Because their relationship, their relationship in him had grown and matured. We've got to grow and mature in the Lord. Recently... 
I listened to a message by Dr. Tony Evans. Everybody know Dr. Tony Evans? And uh, he began listing off, I mean, it was like all these deaths and all the trials that his family was going through. In less than a year, he lost a brother, he lost a sister, thank you. In November of that year, that same year, he lost his, uh, his father. In November, he lost his wife in December. That's a whole lot of death. Then, everybody know Priscilla Shire? His daughter, she had to have part of a lung removed. I don't remember why, but she did. The other daughter, Crystal, all this is happening at the same time. The other daughter, Crystal, some kind of a major health scare, and they are keeping an eye on that. And he shared that how he had a granddaughter, and they, she just stopped eating, and they didn't know why. She wouldn't tell anybody why, and I guess she finally opened up to him. You know, they're like, we don't, we don't know what's going on here. I, I really thought he was going to say that she was battling anorexia. And I thought, well, there's going to be another trial that this family's going through. But instead, she said, our family is falling apart. And not eating was her way of coping with the overwhelming trials that it hit that family. That family was in the fire. You know, Dr. Evans didn't say, whoo, hallelujah, we were counting it all joy. And we really don't when we're in the fire, do we? When we're actually right in the battle of it, the heat of it, we don't really count it all joy. Troubles and trials are hitting every home. I don't know any home that, in fact, I'll be honest with you, when I was under attack like this, I thought, Lord, I've got a few people that I ask for prayer. I thought, Lord, I can't ask any of them because they're all in worse situation than I am. That was another bad feeling. People are under attack. They are under attack. I love, Brother Zach said, we have to choose joy. We've got to remember that he's greater than our pain. But it doesn't feel like it when you're in the heat of the battle, does it? The Bible tells us it rains on the just and on the unjust of life. The Assemblies of God Youth Camp has been this, this month, and we've just had a terrible tragedy that struck at the youth camp. We had one of the workers, an 18-year-old girl, that died in an accident. How do you count it all joy when you got something like that? How do you count it all joy when you've had to bury a child or a grandchild? How do you count it all joy when your marriage has fallen apart? How do you count it all joy when you're estranged from your children? It's hard, isn't it? I was reminded of this old song. Man, I wish I could sing. I'd, I'd belt it out. No, I can't, but listen. Listen, I might, hey, I might try anyway. No, I won't, but it says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand all of the ground 
when the trials come in, when the winds and the waves and they roll in and they, you feel like you're going under on Christ, the solid rock, I'll stand. My anchor, he holds the veil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God some praise in this house right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. How do we withstand the trials? How do we count it all joy? We have to choose to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. We have to choose to say, I'm going to be planted on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. We have to know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and called according to his purpose. For years, I tell you, I did not want to hear that passage of scripture. I had been in the fire. I had nearly been destroyed and wiped out people. Oh, all things work together for the good. Now, the, if I hear it one more time, I'm just apt to bust somebody right in the face because what that meant to me was that meant something bad had happened something was going terribly wrong but all things work together for the good and I didn't appreciate it when I was broken and when I was wounded but let me tell you when I got on the side of healing when God brought me through the fire when what the enemy thought was going to take me out God raised me up God used it to launch me into my purpose in ministry and then I could say, ha, all things do work together for the good. Hallelujah. Can I tell you tonight that all things are working together for your good? I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I know the one that does know. And I want you to know that he is here tonight to meet your need. You see, I know this, that some of you are at that place like, I was God, I'm done. I'm done. If something don't change, I'm done. He sent me by tonight with a simple little message. He's here. You can choose him. Dr. Evans said, I'd reached a point that I began questioning God. He said it was like it wouldn't stop. It was just one trial and one trial. It just went on and on and on. He said, you couldn't even see the end in sight. And he said, you know, I was just one thing after another. And he said, I, I say some of you probably feel that way tonight. See, I know this. I know we come in and we smile. How are you? Ooh, hallelujah. I'm so, I'm blessed. And then when we're by ourselves, we're just about to fall apart. I, you know how I know that? Because I've done that. I know what it's like to, hallelujah, how God's good. And inside I think, I'm just dying. Say, God, I need help. I'm dying. Dr. Evans broke down. He said, we can ask God a a question just like your kids can ask you a question we can ask God a question he'll answer he can even handle the hard ones he said but you don't question God and he said I want you to know I did both he said when you question God you are basically demanding an answer from him and he said he said I was questioning God and God told me you're not going there he backed him up he said you are not going there there's a fine line between asking God God why why did you allow this? Why, did, why was this outcome this? Then, you know, it's a fine line between our attitude, really, our attitude, isn't it? Our attitude and our motive. You know, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I have no clue what time it is and what time I started. Job was a man familiar with pain, loss and pain. We know his wife said, Job, won't you just curse God and die? I don't fault her because she had lost everything he did. 
She just didn't have the boils on her body. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of loss there. I don't fault her because sometimes we get tried like that and we feel like, what's the point? What's the point, don't we? But yet the Bible says, in all this, Job did not sin. Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrows. You know, I don't know if I could be like the disciples that my sound, he's the best sound guy back there. I don't know if I could be like them and say, man, I'm just rejoicing because I've suffered for Christ. But I want to get there, Sister Diana. I want to get there because we're going to be, the closer we get to the end of time, we're going to be persecuted more for the cause of Christ. Are we going to stand? Are we going to choose joy? Are we going to rejoice that we're identified with Jesus? Or are we going to walk away? I'm going to begin to wrap this up. They're giving me kind of like the signal. And that's all right. That's all right because I've said what needs to be said. Because the Lord wants to minister to people in this place tonight. You know, some of you, sometimes the trials you're going through, it's a sign that you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. You're standing for the cause of Christ. Sometimes, some of you in here may be like Job. The Lord may be saying, hey, have you considered my servant Lucia? Have you considered my servant Sister Virginia? The Lord might be just sicking the old devil on you because he knows you're going to come out of the fire you're going to be like gold, and you're going to still glorify and honor him. First Peter 5 and 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I am telling you tonight that Jesus is in this place tonight because he wants to restore somebody in this place. He wants to establish you. He wants to confirm you. You see, he confirmed me tonight through Sister Virginia's speaking over me. That's what he does. Guess what? I'm not the only one in here that he wants to do that for. Romans 8. 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Have you ever had this? Well, if God's so good, why did he allow this to happen? I met a man the other day. I've known him for years. Fantastic person. And I, he just had a major heart attack. And I had just texted some of his family and said, hey, how's he doing? I mean, it wasn't within five minutes he pulled up beside our vehicle. I'm like, well, I guess he's doing all right. I'd never talked to him about the Lord. His wife's a beautiful Christian woman. Never talked to him about the Lord. And, I mean, God had miraculously healed him and brought him out of this heart attack. And I just looked at him and said, hey, are you a Christian? He didn't even hesitate. He's like, no. I mean, there wasn't a pause. There wasn't a, any apology about it. Nope. And I knew exactly why he said no. Many years ago, his son was killed in a car wreck. Teenage boy. It was his only son, his only child. And in the conversation, I said, well, I know that you're angry with God. You haven't worked all that out yet. But I said, you're going to have to get someplace with God. I said, will you at least get someplace with God? And just say, God, I'm mad about this. Why did you do this? I said, God can handle it. He said, I, I will. I'll think about it. But if he doesn't, see, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why he lost his boy. 
I don't know why some of you have lost your children. But God knows. And we can either let it destroy us, we can hang on to the anger, and we're angry with God. I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you something. Heaven and hell's real. There's going to be eternity someplace. We don't know how great heaven is, and we don't know how horrific hell is. I said, you don't want to, you don't want to miss heaven. That's all I could do with him. I, I couldn't, you can't force anybody. But we have to choose joy. We have to choose to trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. This evening, I'm asking some of you, where's a musician, a little music or something here. You and I, we can count on all joy when we read words like this. This is Isaiah 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Somebody in this place tonight, you need to be reminded that he calls you by name. You are his. He is your God. He loves you all with an everlasting love. That passage goes on to say, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. If you will, stand with me. Count it all joy. Everybody in this place has battle scars. You know what that is? To me, it's just a sign of victory. We're still here. We're still standing. You're here because you love Jesus and you're still honoring him. I love their song. We're going to honor him. We've got battle scars. We're still standing. We can be proud of those battle scars. The enemy didn't take us out. This is what I believe, that some of you are at the end of your rope like I was. Some of you are having troubles at home that you've not shared with anybody. Some of you, the enemy's just been beating you up, telling you you're no good, you don't matter. I came to tell you tonight, the devil's a liar. He's the father of all lies. Your God loves you far greater than you can imagine. You can't see God working. You can't feel him working. What's this song? Even when he's not working. Can you think how it goes? Even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. Tonight, I want to invite you to come up around this altar area. I believe there's people here that are hurting. At the end of the rope, tonight's your night of break, breakthrough. I had to cry out for help. I was, God, I need some help. I'm done. I'm done. Now, in my heart, I know I'm not done. But it feels like it. When you're going through it, it feels like it. 
this place. You've been battling. The enemy's been beating you up. You know that you've been under spiritual attack. You see, God, he orchestrates every speaker and every whatever their their destined time is to speak. See, God's wanting somebody in this place to get free tonight, to get that burden off of them, to quit feeling beat down and like you don't matter. Like there's no future for you because you know what? You're going to come back tomorrow and you're going to be healed tonight of all the, the stuff the devil's been putting on you. And you're going to have liberty and freedom and you're just going to keep getting blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. shy about coming up. I'm going to tell you something. You're desperate enough. I've been desperate enough for God. I didn't care. I didn't care if Stanop was running down. I've got to get to Jesus. Somebody needs to get to Jesus tonight because he's calling you. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come unto me. I'm going to give you some rest. I want you to know that I have seen you. I've heard your cries. I know that you've been in the furnace of affliction. I'm going to deliver you tonight. I'm going to strengthen you and encourage you.
sisters and brothers in Christ. We thank you that you have granted us to do greater things. You have called us to do greater things, and we accept that challenge. We ask that you be with us, Father. We ask that Holy Spirit just minister to those here and those that are about to come. you want to come back tomorrow for more of the same we don't know what all God's going to